glad you could join us for episode 133 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name is Dave, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Wayne as we take a little detour from Dark Angel, and we're going to look at the new Netflix offering, Marvel's Jessica Jones. All right. As always, we'd love to hear from you via email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or at the website where you can leave a voicemail via the leave a voicemail tab. You can also record your own audio clip and send the MP3 as an attachment or just send us a tweet at sci-fi TV rewatch. And we'd encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. So actually, we want to hear from you, but we don't want to hear from you. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And you know who you are. <laughs> Yeah, you know. All right, now, you know, with Amazon Prime releasing Man in the High Castle and Netflix, of course, releasing Jessica Jones, and again... And Hemlock Grove. And Hemlock Grove. But, and the new Aziz Ansari uh, series is supposed to be hilarious, too. Right, so. but the whole idea of releasing the entire season in one fell swoop obviously leads for a lot of people to do binge-watching. I'm not like that. I mean, part of it is I don't have the time, but part of it is... There's just so many things that you know I want to see. I don't know if it's my lack of attention span or whatever, but if we weren't doing this podcast of the first episode of Jessica Jones, I probably would have continued. I just, you know, I I just didn't want to get too far ahead and start confusing what was in this one and what was in the sure. next one. But oh, it was awesome. Yeah, it was really good. Now, as a disclaimer, you know, I, I'm not a comics guy at all. I. I know a little bit about the Jessica Jones comic background simply because, you know, I do, I do the agents of shield podcast and I've tried to get a little bit into the Marvel universe, but for you as a comic guy, you were more DC, right? No, 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 no. Well, I mean, I mean, as a kid, as a kid, uh, no, as a kid, I was totally into like, I collected Avengers and, um, and then actually firestorm, which is a DC, uh, title. Um, G.I. Joe, which was Marvel. I think that was it. And then, like, that kind of stopped for a while. And then, like, weirdly got back in the comics when I was in college. They started collecting, like, Superman and Batman. But the thing is, by the time, like, because Jessica Jones is a complete 21st century thing. Correct. So I had no clue who Jessica Jones was. When you said, you know, let's podcast on Jessica Jones, I was like, is is that like some kind of reality show or something <laughs> like because or a talk show uh i had no no clue at all so which is I, I i'm gonna admit this dave it's a little frustrating watching it that's the one frustration i had of watching it and knowing like i should know these characters yeah, yep. and who they are and what they do uh but i don't and so i'm just like i'm just like all the other punters out well, there. Well, yeah, but see, I like that, that I don't know. I mean, I know a few things that I've learned along the way, almost almost that I just couldn't help but pick up. But, you know, I, I and that's a problem I have with people that, that criticize, you know, say a podcast that's doing a show based on S.H.I.E.L.D. or, uh, you know, that, that you don't know the total background of the entire catalog i you know and it's whether it's arrow whether it's the flash that judge the show as the show right i mean if you happen to be a fan of the comics great but i mean so we're talking about the show here and and uh why don't we'll, we'll just leave it at that because some of the things yeah. that well because we don't know anything about the comics or you probably i mean i'm sure I, you've done some it, research i read the wikipedia page well see i, so. I you know I, again i just picked up a few things so uh episode one 
a.k.a. Ladies' Night, written by Melissa Rosenberg, who was the head writer for Dexter, and you're going to love this, wrote the screenplays for all five Twilight movies. (laughs) Directed by S.J. Clarkson, who did five episodes of... I thought you were going to follow it up with the word zone. (laughs) I was going to be excited, but you just... When you you didn't say anything after it, it still took a couple seconds to process before I could express my displeasure. Uh, directed by S.J. Clarkson, who did five episodes of Life on Mars, and I know what you're going to ask me. Um, can we do Life on Mars No, next? U.S. or U.K. Oh, U.S. or U.K. I don't know. Oh, and, uh, I assume, well, I guess I kind of assume maybe the U.S. version. Uh, I think, but I, I don't know. But uh, They're both awesome. Right, and as everybody knows, uh, this was released by Netflix on November 20th, 2015. Now, right away, I mean, the opening credits were so damn cool. They were very cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it, it's... I'll fast forward through them for the rest of the season, but I always watch the first yeah. time. And the, and the last episode, I'll watch the credits Well, again. they're only about a minute, so I'll see, you know, right now. That's a minute in my oh, life. I know, I know. Dave, a minute in my life. Uh, but... You know, it, it obviously harkens back to you know the the film noir. Uh, you know, you know the those really stylistic Hollywood well, crime the whole thing dramas. Did, didn't oh, it, right? oh yeah, no question. I mean, it takes you back to Humphrey Bogart and films sure. of the forties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, she is like like Sam Spade, you know, like you almost want to see her going around in a trench coat. Oh, absolutely, and, and just like so cynical, just the way so many of these these uh, detectives yeah. were. And, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Well, that's like that's. I mean, that was an awesome thing about this show. It just took all those conventions and just flipped them right around. You know. Yeah, and you know the 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 whole idea of the the hard boiled detective. And, and and again, it, it's a genre that that with a drinking problem. Oh yeah, and, right? and, and just the you know the the sordid, seedy urban backgrounds, and, yeah. and you know, and, and you know, pretty graphic sex and scene in in the first episode for sure. Yeah. But the you know, there's just a certain naturalism to it all that that I think comes out in the hard boiled uh, detective fiction. So this has got it all. But to start off, and I don't think you've seen the show. I can't help making a connection with Veronica Mars, which I, I know you don't know, but... Uh, I mean, I, I know of it. And I've seen every now and then, um, like flipping around, the movie's been on HBO a lot. Right. And the show, I mean, you, you know, it's heavy on voiceovers, and obviously that's something you're going to have to come to terms uh, with. Exactly. But Veronica Mars is a private investigator. You know, she's a... a albeit she's a teenager but she's broken uh Kristen bell plays the lead now granted it is not hard-boiled it is not noir i mean it has some of those elements but but there there's a lot of similarities i would venture to say that that you know a lot of people that are into things that we talk about are probably uh veronica mars fans so it we'll see all right so well we did diane is oh yeah no co-workers she she's got the I remember she had like that poster up in her room, and I'm like, "What the hell is that?" Yeah, well, we just stumbled on the movie by accident one night and thought, "Uh, oh. probably because someone left it in the driveway." Yeah. <laughs> All <laughs> right, so Jessica Jones, it it's the story of a broken. I, I guess she's an inhuman, right? Well, uh, she's. I mean, that one guy says or superhuman. Well, I mean, the one guy that she's you know trying to serve the uh, summons right. on says, "You're one of them." Right, you're one of them. 
so it's the story of a broken inhuman in a contemporary film noir setting. And, and, and you know, she's this hard-boiled detective taking whatever cases she can just in order to survive. And, you know, we see her in her, I, I guess, her apartment. It's almost just yeah. like a hotel room. But but it's, you know, and I guess this is part of it because, like, in the film noir, it's not like the, the hard-boiled detective – like it's almost like they like that life. They like the CD apartment. They like the bottle of bourbon in the top drawer of the desk. You know, it's like you like a lot of people look at that and say it's sad and pathetic. And yes, to a degree it is. But on the other side, I think to a degree also, that's exactly how she wants it. Well, I don't know if exactly. Well, or, or is works, that what? It's like she she she's comfortable with that. You know, or is that it seems? Or is that what she feels she deserves? You know, I mean, look, we're going to get to see close to 10 hours of Jessica Jones and her life as opposed to, you know, the Maltese Falcon where we see two hours, maybe. And and granted there, you know, we'd see Sam Spade in in a number of films, but but it's not going to be the character development like that we're likely to see in Jessica Jones. Sure. Now, I had in my notes, do we and by we, I mean you. Does what does Wayne like the voiceover, or, or rather, I should say, can Wayne tolerate the voiceovers? Wayne can tolerate voiceovers if it has people doing it in pictures while the voiceovers happen. Okay, so <laughs> that's not entirely true. It makes me sound like a pervert, but yeah, I it, I didn't mind this particular voiceover, so it didn't annoy me as much as like let's say when someone's out on the Seattle Space Needle and doing a voiceover at the end of a show. Right. Now, you know, just like as just a hypothetical situation. Okay. Now, obviously, well, I shouldn't say obviously because I don't know how much you knew about Jessica Jones. I mean, did you know David Tennant was in it? Yeah. Okay. I did know David Tennant was in it. I didn't know Carrie Ann Moss was in it though. Okay. And I definitely didn't know Carrie Ann Moss was going to be doing a little girl on girl. Right. That I can check that one off the bucket Much list. to the chagrin of the first girl. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> like, you know, and that's like we're talking about the cliches that get like flipped on its head because how many times do we see like the cheating dude? Yeah. And you never see the cheating girl. Right. Right? Yeah, not often. Like, and you definitely never see the cheating girl cheating on another girl. Yeah. I, I, I seriously, well, okay, maybe the lost girl kind of touches on that. But otherwise, that's and you know, and uh, just I I love how this show just takes every convention of of TV of mainstream TV and just basically gives it the middle finger and says, "Have a little bit of this." That was awesome. Yeah, and that's the, you know the beauty of Netflix and the beauty of Amazon Prime and and right because this show could not be mainstream. Right. I, I mean, I guess it like, could be like, HBO. Like, well, right, right. But I mean, like, like network sure. broadcast TV. You wouldn't see this on like the big three. Right. And, and that's kind of what's so exciting about the time we're in. I mean, you've got Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which, you know, is dealing with inhumans and it's, you know, it's got kind of a peripheral, peripherally the same stories in the same universe, but it's a totally different approach. It's a totally different universe as opposed to then Jessica Jones. And, you know, uh, that's that's great. All right, let me get back to David Tennant for a second. Okay. Who is this Kilgrave, and how is it that he exerts power over people, particularly Jessica Jones? 
Yeah, I'm going to um, quote um, from Seinfeld here. He must be some kind of Svengali or Svengali. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> do you remember yeah, that? Episode? I do. And Elaine keeps saying that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like he, yeah, he can totally like control people's minds and stuff. Yeah, right? and it's like, so what does he want? I mean, what's his end game? Um, yeah, who who even knows? Yeah. I, I don't. Well, yeah, whatever don't it is, know. obviously she's been involved with him in the past. To the yeah. point that it terrifies her. And well, she thought he was dead. Right? right. Right. We learned that when she goes to visit her friend. Right. Who says, You saw the body. And she's like, Well, that may be. Yeah. When is dead, dead? When is dead, dead, Dave? But Here you go clearly again. Clearly, it terrifies her enough that she's ready to go to Hong Kong just to yeah, simply Hong Kong. Re- run from him. It's not a bad place to run it's, to. It's, well, I don't know. But uh, why don't you just go to Canada, like in dark, dark ages, well, right? Everyone's always running away to Canada. Right. So then that begs the question: How did she get away a year ago from Kilgrave? So you know, sure. so well, I, I, I guess she kind of killed. Well, him. or somebody else did, right? Um, I mean, that's you know, one thing I'm going to throw out there that if you didn't know this, okay, I, I would suspect a lot of our listeners already know this as well but i guess the idea is that jessica jones was a superhero it just didn't work out for her right that much okay like i said wikipedia page uh, okay and and i don't know what happened and and i don't want to know hopefully it'll be revealed in the in the series um yeah i should say i only read like the first two paragraphs of the wikipedia page so okay um, now, you know, when I was watching it the first time and taking some notes, I just happened to take them in 10 minute blocks, like I was mentioning to you off air. And then in retrospect, it's kind of how the episode was, was built anyway. So, you know, in the first 10 minutes, we're introduced to her private eye practice, which is alias uh, investigations, no connection to the, uh, J.J. Abrams show on ABC alias uh, and, and this connection she has with Jerry Hogarth, who is Carrie Ann Moss's character. So, you know, so so we see her, like you've said, you know, living in the seedy part of town, not afraid to bring a little violence to the table if necessary, yeah. especially when a client doesn't pay on time. That 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 could, that's an issue, yeah. right? Sometimes you, you uh, Clyde needs to have his head thrown through a window uh, and, just to right. So are, are we going to see her the 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 window on her office door have cardboard taped up there the entire? Well, I, I think is is it her apartment? Oh, is that where it is? Okay, right because the, her apartment. The rest of the episode has the cardboard over. Okay, it. so but, you know, I just realized that just now because like you know, you assume it's her office, but she she doesn't have an office. She can't afford one. Well. She works out of her apartment. Okay, right? so it's all that's where she met uh, the the girl's parents. Right, yeah. right, right. And, 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 yeah, so like I just got that. I'm like, oh my god, that's hilarious because the whole rest of the episode, like the cardboard is over the, because we see her shove the guy's head through the glass, but she can't afford to, to replace right. it. And I'm almost surprised that's that awesome. a shard of glass didn't uh, impale on him. But uh, sure. so she's decidedly anti corporate, and she's the best at what she does. A top law firm employs her for the jobs that no one else can or wants to do. And, you know, we, we see that little uh, exchange between her and, and Carrie Ann Moss's character that, uh, you know, both acknowledging that I do the things that you can't acknowledge that you're having done. Well, it's like, you know, Hogarth is not like 
a character that's morally above reproach, right? right? And she's she a lawyer. It, Come like, on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, like, well, yeah, I need you to uh, serve the summons on this guy. And, you know, of course, um, Jessica knows there's more to it than that. And she's like, okay, well, you know, we represent the guy who's trying to buy his property. You know, I, I will admit that. You know? uh, but she's unapologetic about it, you know. Oh, right, right, exactly. But but she goes there. She says, I'm not going to beg you for a job. I'm just going to ask you really, really. <laughs> ask you really strongly. Right. Um, that was hilarious. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, line. so, you know, so in this first 10 minutes, we also established that that her apartment is pretty seedy. I mean, the, the, the pillowcases look like they haven't been washed in months. Clearly, she drinks a lot. You know, she then we see the scene where she can't sleep. So she gets up, fills her thermos with scotch, and takes her camera and and again you know I don't, look I don't want to make a big deal about comparing it to Veronica Mars but there's a lot of similarities to you know the, the kind of life that they led you know she's taken photos of cheaters right? and we learn that okay I guess that in in one way is her specialty so we're wondering whether she's on the job or not right right now at this point you know we're yeah but it doesn't yeah, yeah, we we don't know it, exactly, and and I'm like so I'm like thinking, but it doesn't seem like it is because it seems like it's kind of like personal, right? Because right? it seems like she's just, um, she's just kind of taking pictures of Luke, right? Or or she's like found Luke around, right? right? And, and at that point, we, we don't know whether or not she already knows him. I, I mean, I assume she does because it seemed like she's stalking him a little bit. Well, right? but then when she meets him, you know, outside the bar, right? When she's, you know, got the bottle in the paper bag and he asks her if she wants a glass for it, it doesn't seem as if they know each other. Well, it's, yeah, but she's been watching him, though. Like he says, you've been standing outside here like for a while now, like not just this night, but on previous nights as okay. well. Well, I won't. So I think she, for some reason, is kind of stalking Luke. But he doesn't know her at okay. all. But and he, he, I mean, he's he's a superhero too, right. right? Well, okay. Anyway. All right. So then, look, if we didn't watch Doctor Who, we wouldn't necessarily recognize David Tennant's voice as easily as we do. But, sure. you know, we hear his voice go on, you know, you want to. And we're thinking like, what? She's still under his control. And then she starts reciting street names, which in this first 10 minute block, we have no idea what the point of that is. We obviously later learn that it somehow loosens the control. Not sure how, but it does. Right. right. So that, so, uh, you know, in retrospect, that's what she's doing. All right. So we get to the second 10 minutes and it kind of lays out the cases that she's working on. You know, essentially, you know, your, your basic police or, or, or PI procedurals, and then the other cases, of course, serving that summons to you know the the club owner. So, right. So we get this husband and wife that come to Jessica to help finding their track star daughter, who's who referred to her, which she's like kind of like a little puzzled. Yeah, about. the police referred to her, and there's and the and the husband says was or the, maybe it was the wife. I don't know. Was this normal? And she's like, oh yeah, <laughs> I think they yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah no. they do that all the time. She's just yeah, like I'm like I need the money, but. And and honestly, that's kind of like the messed up thing about her whole situation is because if it weren't for her like desperate need for the money, she really would question like 
wait a second, who sent you? Because people don't refer me to anyone. So, you know, but she doesn't even really dwell dwell on it at all because she needs some money so right. especially the police right. so the so the girl's missing although she's apparently calling her mother once a week so you know if she didn't need the money jessica would probably say yeah you know your daughter's just probably off with a guy somewhere which ironically enough he she is but so she's left behind a pissed off roommate and that was a pretty funny scene when she goes there and, and the new roommate she found on I don't know if she said Craigslist or whatever, but uh, he's got the camera bolted to his head. Yeah, the GoPro, yeah. which are they are like obnoxious anyway as it is. But but yeah, she's just like I like when she just grabs it and throws it. Right. Yeah. He's <laughs> like you're ruining my yeah, art. He, I, I think he said you couldn't. He, he couldn't uh, cut a scene, so she. I found a place to cut it. Oh yeah, right. All right. <laughs> so she learns that there's a guy involved, which sends Jessica to a club and and, you know again we at first i was thinking that the two were connected but no this is now she's working on the other case and you know it's this rich asshole in a i don't know whether it was a lamborghini a porsche or a pagani but uh, some two hundred thousand dollar vehicle and when he won't stop she stops the car and lifts the rear prompting him to remark you're one of them which then leads us that that we assume she's an inhuman, which then, I guess, did she? Is that the term to use, David? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, <laughs> at this point, you're one of them, so. She's got, she has superpowers, right? It, she threatens him with her laser well, eyes, well, which right. is awesome because he's like, you know. Well, right, but. I don't think she has laser well, eyes. Well, no, right. she doesn't. She laughs about that. But, I mean, well, who who would these superheroes be? I mean, you know, Captain America is not around at this point, right? I mean, is it Iron Man? I mean, is he liking her, likening her to them? Yeah, I, don't I don't think know. so. So I'm guessing we'll find out. That was the impression I got at this point. So, so we'll see. But either way, he's the guy she's been hired to serve. <laughs> Threatens him with her laser right. eyes, <laughs> melting his inside. It's like okay. Hands him the summons and then gets her phone out. You've been served. So she's yeah. got the proof. Well, and she's also like, you know, it's cheap. It's going to be cheaper just to to settle up instead of you know like all this nonsense. Yeah, exactly. And then so she's got like that kind of that pragmatic side to her. Right. And, and and then she's back at her place at the end of this second ten minute block, and it, it, it seems she imagines somebody licking her face. And then she starts reciting the random addresses again. Right. Well, the street names, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I guess street names that she lived on as a child. I mean, that's what she. Which is what we find. Well, yeah, we don't know it at the time, but we find out later that that's like how, that's like her little reality check. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So. Which I thought at first she was just, I, I, I you know, I didn't remember the name. So I, I didn't get that she was saying the exact same name uh streets every time but still i got that this is like i thought it was like this is where i am like i thought she was reciting the streets of where she is right now just as a i'm not somewhere else i'm right here this is exactly where i am yeah Yeah. but as it turns out as you said the place she was as a a child so all right the uh the middle or third 10 minute block were introduced to luke cage and i assume this is their first meeting but I guess again, I, I, it certainly seems that what 
Well, it's it, it, like I said, it seemed to me that she was kind of stalking him and just maybe she'd seen him or had walked by this bar. Or like I said, I mean, we, we, we all know Luke Cage is a, is a superhero too. So, you know, maybe somehow she knew about him from a past life or he had his memory erased of her or something like, I don't know, but she definitely has a connection to him. He has no clue who she okay. is. So, but yet also feels a connection though, because he asked, has her come inside? And well, well, he sees her out there and he says that he's seen her before and she's got her bottle in a paper bag and she, you know, she's been staring in the window and he's out taking at the trash, tells her, you know, he's seen her do it before, invites her in because he says it's ladies night. And she's, she says, no, it isn't. He said, well, it is now. And she comes in, you know, his help leaves. It's closing time. You know, they're getting to know each other. And she reveals that she's a private investigator and that, you know, he's like, ah, well, tell me what you've determined. Well, one thing, you care more about your bar than anything else. And, you know, then it's like, well, what do you really want? And I'm thinking like, okay, I know where this is going to be edited. <laughs> right to the bedroom. Right. Yep. And then of no GoPro. Though. No. And, and, you know, it, this was kind of a, I don't know, it, it kind of a disturbing scene because, it, you know, clearly she was disgusted with herself afterward. She snoops in his medicine cabinet, sees a photo of a woman. She returns to the room, dresses quickly, leaves. Sorry, she tells him. And, you know, at first I'm thinking like, okay, she's pretty disgusted with what she's just done. And then, of course, we get she gets on the street and starts vomiting. So, okay, I guess I was right. Although, I guess we could say, well, she did drink a lot of whiskey. She, she drank a lot, yeah. But she wasn't throwing up while she was having sex. So, but so here's a couple of things I have to say. First of all, hats off to Jessica Jones for doing like a real interracial sex scene, which I don't think of it. Like I was trying to think of where have I ever seen. I don't even know if I've seen a movie. Like, I must have seen a movie with that, but not, not you know, like like a regular movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, like I, I'm just going to let that. So I'm thinking go. about like Doctor Who, right? So like the first. What, I'm sorry? just going to let that go and not make you elaborate <laughs> on a, a regular <laughs> right. movie versus <laughs> right. You know, you know the ones you can find online. Uh, but anyway, uh, so like I think about uh, Rose, the first episode of the new Doctor Who, yeah. right? You had this interracial relationship between Mickey and Rose, but it's very like they just they kiss, like they and whenever they kiss, just a peck. So there's, you certainly don't see what we see here, absolutely. And they go for it, and like I think that's that's awesome because like that's that's another step, right? That that we're seeing things. I guess the next step would be where I'm not even talking about it being like people of two different races or anything. That just it's like it's just two people, sure, sure. Right? But you know, that just led me to think, like you know, like as 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 progressed as we think we are, as far as racism goes, sometimes you'd stop and think like, well, maybe we're not as advanced as we are because things like this, I stop and think, well, that's, I, that's unusual. That's something I haven't seen before, you know? And if we were like really totally egalitarian, then I, I wouldn't even think that. So that's just one thing. Uh, the other, the flip around, like it. And but also I think at the end of it all though, um, I don't think she felt really bad about it until she saw the picture. Well, see, that's what I was wondering. And, uh, you know, on, on the other hand, look, she's been following him for a while, as you alluded to. So there's something about him that's attracted her. But by the same token, clearly had a similar, I mean, some sort of a sexual experience 
with Kilgrave. And so, you know, has she, is this just another in a series of one night stands since that time? Or is this perhaps, you know, the first time she's been with a man since that, you know, because, because yeah. of the inherent fear. Well, right. And like, I can't remember the, the report, but she refers to what she's experiencing as PTSD. Right. So what she went through with Kilgrave was traumatic. And I, I, I kind of go with your second thing. It's like, this is the first time she's been with a guy since him. And when she was with Kilgrave, it was basically like a kind of sex slave rape situation, I think, going on. Right. Um, and so for her to even be with a guy at all, is is a big step. I think, like, you know, I flippantly returned the flip over, but, like, for her, changing the position from facing Luke to facing away from him is almost like, again, like, you know, the taking the, you know, trying to remove herself from it and, and taking the closeness and the connection out of it, you know, like facing away from him as they, as they have sex. And uh, so that's, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It was messed up. It was not... A sex scene where you're like, "Woo, sex scene!" You know, like it was. Um, there, there was a lot of bad in it. Well, you know, the the one thing before the uh, the flip around, he he says something. I think it, he he says, "I don't want to hurt you," and and she says, "Oh, you won't," or something like that. And, and I'm thinking, like, and he's like, "I yeah," but does he say like, "I would"? Yeah, like yeah, like, but uh, but it's like okay, so she knows that I, I guess because of her superpowers, you're not going to hurt me, and he. Th- is maybe thinking because of his that I might. His superpower, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But either way, I mean, she does have, as if we needed this sex scene to know this even, but she's got self-esteem issues. And clearly we learn, you know, as we jump into the the fourth 10-minute block. Well, that, that might have been suggested when she, you know, filled up a bottle with liquor to to go and stalk someone. Right, right. So it, <laughs> or a thermos with liquor yeah, to, to go and exactly. stalk Exactly. Right? So uh, this fourth 10-minute block, we're back to the case of the missing girl. We're introduced to David Tennant's character, Kilgrave, and we're also then introduced to her relationship with Trish. I mean, we'd seen the billboard on the side of a bus twice you know, earlier in the episode and didn't really know what it meant other than that it got uh, Jessica Jones' attention. But she gets a call from the track girl's mother, and tells her that she's been tracking purchases. The girl was buying, well, she doesn't tell the mother she was buying expensive lingerie, but she does know that, right? But she tracks her to this Chinese restaurant. She's surprised that it's got a new name, right? Right. Uh, Apparently, it used to be a a Chinese restaurant or, or some other even before that. But the girl, you know, shows the picture of the girl, She's told he she came in with a man who caused a scene because he couldn't immediately have the table he wanted. And then the guy says, but what was weirder is that I went back and told those people to get up and leave so yeah. that, you know, obviously this Kilgrave is using mind control all over the place. Right, which I, I didn't get at first because I was like really confused by this whole scene at the time. But yeah, so, you know, like he, he came in, they kicked the people out of the table to give him the table. They gave him a uh, like $500 bottle of champagne or right. something. Compton. Uh, they made pasta for him, even though it's <laughs> right. like Italian it's, it's dish. Asian exactly. Restaurant, right. So, like, and so I didn't, I just thought that that was all really weird. And then, like, obviously later on in the episode, when you realize that Kilgrave's power is mind control, that, 
Yeah, you're right. That he's just using it all over the place. Right. You know? and, and then she flashes back to the prior establishment. And, you know, we see through the camera lens that, you know, she tracks to the table in the back and we see that it's her with the same man, obviously Kilgrave. And she's really, really upset. Clearly, she knows what happened and she knows now what will happen. So apparently this Kilgrave has the same M.O. every time. Right? Sure. And, you know, so her reaction is, I got to get not just out of the city, but out of this continent. And uh, tries to buy a ticket with uh, the girl's credit card, but it gets declined. Uh, So Uh, Nice try, though. So so she goes to see the couple that hired her and learns that the person recommending her was not a police officer, but was simply filling out a complaint and... Again, she puts two and two together and figures it was Kilgrave that. that well, they, they said he had like such a nice accent. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, uh, she tells him, you, "You know what? Turn around, get out of here, pack your bags, go home." And she's very agitated at this point. Which then you think, like at the time, we, we see, like obviously, we're not super impressed with Jessica at this point because, well, I, it's even more after she talks to Trish. But you know, like she's just wants to get out of Dodge and save her and bacon, but. In thinking about how everything shook out, I mean, this is the moment where these parents have, like, if they're going to live, this is their chance. Right. Right? Um, if they listen to her, they just get out of Dodge, just go home. But, uh, you know, obviously, what, what parent is going to do that, though, you know? No, oh, no, of course. And, uh, you know, so now she doesn't have any money. She calls Carrie Ann Moss for a loan. Uh, you know, we've certainly established that that her character you know, is, as you said, a, a cheating lesbian. And, uh, you know, the assistant who she was making out with earlier sees her with, uh, this friend who's closer to her age that clearly she has some sort of a more meaningful relationship with. But, you know, it's like that, that smarmy, like, I'm going to kiss my girlfriend, wife, whatever, right in front of you as you're in the office like we see that so much with like the the smarmy stinky guy doing it and to see uh, it's a woman and and uh women relationships there it's like like, yeah like i said just how this they just kind of flip around that convention it was like it it was cool and again i I once again find myself saying i've never seen that before on television Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, well, again, I think the next scene was really awesome because you know we, we find ourselves in the in the apartment of that TV personality that we saw on the billboard a few times, and she's having a meeting with two other people, and we and we see <laughs> Jessica climbing up the woman's balcony, and she sees her out on her balcony, and we're wondering, well, you know, how she's going to react. Well, she shoes out her assistants, tells them, you know, we'll we'll finish this up at the office the next day. And obviously they had some kind of a relationship until Jessica disappeared six months prior. You know, this Trish knows all about Kilgrave, knows all about. So we don't really know what their relationship is. Are they just good friends? Right, but we kind of assume, like at this point, we know that Jessica has some kind of superpowers. So we assume that Trish maybe had something that which she was in the know because she, she knows about her past life. So, you know, she, Maybe she also is someone with superpowers. But regardless, you know, she knows what happened and that she knows that 
Kilgrave died. Well, obviously, obviously right. he didn't. So, you know, but, but that's, you know, the mindset that she has. When she also, Trish becomes like the kind of like the moral center of the show because she's like, you can't abandon this girl. Oh yeah. You know, like here's the money, but if you leave, there's a girl on her own who's not as strong as right. you, who won't be able to get away from him like you did. And, and you're just leaving her to him. And at first Jessica's like, yeah, basically, yep. And, and, you know, we just don't see our superheroes react the way Jessica does, though. She says, you know what he can do. You know what he made me do. It's just that right. she's terrified. And, and, you know, I, I think that's what's so great about this first episode and, and the establishment of the characters that that the broken superhero. I mean, you talk about things you never see in movies. Where do we see that? Well, you know, you see it for like a little bit. Yeah, you know, like Tony Stark is upset for a little bit in like Iron Man three, uh, and feels bad about himself, but he he pulls it together by the end of the show. I don't really see Jessica pulling her stuff together anytime no, soon. No, so she tells Trish that he's back. Apparently, the guy goes through the same scenario each time with each woman, and then Trish asks if the girl he kidnapped is gifted. And she says, well, you know, she's a track star, yeah, but I don't know. You get a track, you know. Yeah. But uh, so so we're wondering, you know. She can't lift up the back end of a car or anything like that, but, you know, she can run. Right. Fast. And then she tells Trish that I was never the hero you wanted me to be. And, and it seems like it's all coming out now. And as you said, Trish, I don't even want to say imply. She pretty much tells her, you got to go because this girl's helpless. Right. So, All right. So we get to the final 10 minutes. And it's really all about her past with Kilgrave repeating itself. So it's, you know, she's in the cab. She tells him to go to the address of this hotel. So she knows that he's going to do the exact same thing again, which, which he of course did. Uh, The doorman recognizes her, asks her if she'll be staying with him again. And, and, you know, (laughs) pretty cool. She goes up, pulls the fire alarm to clear everybody out. Yeah. And it's great because she just stands there like, like his people might come out and say, Hey, did you pull that fire right. alarm? Yeah. It just stands there like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Cause she's like, so I, I mean like again, the trauma, right? Like just being there, it's gotta be for her just uh, like just terrible. Yeah. And so to be back in this place and to be facing that door, you can just see her just looking at oh the door. Oh my God. I mean, cause like, you know, something happened in that room. Right. Right, and just the the amount of strength and willpower it takes for her to walk through that door, you know, like that 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 you know, superpowers or not, that that's uh, very heroic. Yeah, because she doesn't know if Kilgrave's on the other side of that door, right? So yes, you're right. She doesn't know, but I I, I think though, knowing his patterns, okay, right. and because he does exactly the same thing all the time, I think she probably does know that he's not there, but it's still so difficult for her to get through that door so she goes in she finds the girl in the bed asks her if Kilgrave is still there but she tells Jess that he left uh, like four or five hours ago and and then Jess is trying to you know get across to this girl that that you know come on we got to go and I guess he told her to stay so then Jess you know all right what street did you live on when you were a kid what was the street over I trying to get you know the, the power she says it'll wear off eventually right well yes well with time and distance right 
so so that's what we're wondering about jess time and distance well she's had the time is the fact that he's in town again i got yeah she has, right well she hasn't gone anywhere it seems like right. right so the girl's hysterically screaming that she can't leave just throws her over her shoulders and carries her out and but she smacks her head in the oh doorway. my god and then if you notice like she she's grabbing the the wood molding yeah. You know, just, just like her fingernails are, are, I don't know if they're they're coming off. It's like Wolverine was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so tells her his controller, whatever it is, wears off. And then the girl says, he made me do things I didn't want to do, but I wanted to. Right. All right, so what is he appealing to, you know, that, that base side of us, yeah. that dark side, yeah. I guess? Yeah. Yeah, well, then then we then you start thinking more about Jessica, right? Like, you know, obviously she's suffering from post trauma. Uh, what she went through was terrible, but part of what she went through was so terrible, maybe because she tapped into parts of her that she doesn't want to admit exist. Yeah, you know? which are there for everybody. Everyone has everyone has that darkness. Everyone has that darkness in them. I, I like to call it my inner a hole. You know, who's always like chirping at yeah. me you're just like and all the time like that's like your what i guess freud would call like your super ego versus your id you know like the part of you that's just like do this do this do this and the, and the part of you the rational part that society tells you who keeps saying wait no that's a bad idea we don't do that you know um and so when you get when that primal stuff comes to the surface you come face to face with it, it can be pretty uh, you can imagine that would shake a person yeah, well i mean you know so much of greek tragedy is kind of the same thing you, euripides play uh the bacchants where you know bacchus comes down and and people aren't worshiping the way he thinks they should worship him so he uses mind control to have these people do all these horrific things then their mind's clear and they see what they've done and you know now like jess they got to live with it right so well she reunites the girl with her parents but as the three get in the elevator and the doors begin to close jess sees this look on the girl's face and she sees her pull out the gun you know at first the first time i watched it i thought she just saw something on her face but then no she can see her pull the gun out yeah yeah she definitely and, and does. realizes that you know what's going to happen gunshots ring out she runs down the steps uh and the girls killed her parents, and she's just sitting there firing. They're pulling the trigger over and over. Of course, there are no more bullets in it. Um, right. And suddenly, which is like super messed yeah. up. Like you think, and you think like so. Jessica is under the impression the whole time that Kilgrave has kind of set this whole thing up, right? Well, obviously he has. Getting these people, sending these people to to Jessica. Uh, having her investigate this case, all of this has been to get her attention. And you just think about that. I'm like, that is so messed yeah. up. Oh, yeah. You know, because the it's just, ah, it's just awful. Yeah. He's so bad. I like David Tennant, but he's already so evil. I know. It's, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of a role that I've seen him in that, that would be even close to that. And I, and I can't think. I mean, certainly Broadchurch. I mean, he was closer to like jessica you know that broken right. broken character and he he did play uh barty crouch jr in harry potter and the goblet okay. of fire he was pretty bad i, I did not there. know that so yep. all right so then in you ever seen the harry potter movies uh, no i saw the first one dude 
Oh, the last, the, the from th- three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and eight. Those are all, I, I guess I named them all except for one and two. But they're really good. Dude, you, oh man, you got to watch the Harry Potter movies. Okay. All right. Well, the final scene we see, we hear <laughs> Jess's voiceover posing the dilemma either do something or not. And, and of course, it, it, yeah, it's like don't do a voiceover, for example. <laughs> but it looks as if she is going to do something. So I'm assuming we will see more of David Tennant's character in episode two, which I honestly can't wait to watch. And you don't, you don't, you don't bring in a David Tennant. To leave him sitting on the sidelines. For no, very long. you don't exactly. Though Daredevil, the Vincent D'Onofrio was uh, kingpin, and we don't see him until like the fourth or fifth episode. Okay, and it kind of sucked until we saw him, and then once he's in play, it was awesome. So that's I'm wondering if Netflix is going to kind of do the same thing. David Tennant's in our show. You're not going to see him till about episode five. Uh, so. We better see him sooner than that. Right. Let's see, that's what I thought about Kingpin, though, you know? I'm just saying, prepare yourself, Was Dave. Vincent D'Onofrio in, like, Mystic Pizza? Was that him? Uh, you didn't I see Mystic know. Pizza. That's okay. I did see Mystic Pizza, but it was ages yeah. ago. That was Lily Tyler, yeah. right? Taylor. Yeah, that's a... Yeah. Taylor, right. Right, Taylor. That's a, that's a good movie. Yeah. I mean, I like Mystic yeah. Pizza. So. I can't believe you just referenced Mystic Pizza, though. No. I'll, I'll add it. I'll no, add I just, that uh, Vincent... I mean, Vincent D'Onofrio has been, he uh, he's, was on um, Law & Order SVU, I think, for a long time. But he was in the best episode of Homicide, Life on the Street, um, where he played a guy who got pushed into, like, as the Metro was coming up to the stop, uh, the, the subway, he got pushed and he got stuck between the train and the uh, the wall. Wow. And he's still alive. And so, like, the detective is trying to find out who pushed him and everything, and it's the, basically the whole thing takes place right right there with the relationship between him, and, and it's just, it was amazing. It was so good. Wow. All right. So, again, if anyone hasn't seen Life on the Street, Homicide Life on the Street, you should go right now. Go watch it. I don't know where it's available. It's not available on Netflix or Amazon or anything, but it should be. It's an awesome show. All right. Uh, anything else you want to <laughs> say about Jessica Jones? Yeah. No, about Jessica Jones. No. But let me talk about Homicide for another five minutes, though, Dave, right? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. Uh, I really like Jessica Jones. It was a uh, it's a pretty excellent show. Yeah, I, I, and I'm uh, definitely in. So it, I, I, will, I will be in at some point. Right now, it's it's really they just released so much stuff at once. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to prioritize things yep. here. So I don't know. All we'll right. see. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining us again tonight. Uh, love to hear from you about Dark Angel, Firefly, Jessica Jones, Man in the High Castle, anything else you think we should be watching. Also, like to encourage you to join the Facebook group, and if you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or voicemails via the speak pipe tab, which you can access through the website. And we'll be back next week to rejoin dark angel with episode 11 of season two. But until then, you know, Dave, ever since we started doing this podcast and everything, I don't get asked out on second dates. <laughs>